Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hey there, thanks for joining me on another episode of the Familypreneur podcast. Today's guest is a travel-loving mama whose goal is to see the world with her family while helping mamas of littles break cycles of anger and guilt so they can parent with joy and confidence. Her own journey from pro-spanking and punishment to respectful parenting and motherhood advocate inspires the work she's doing now as a parenting and confidence coach. Through her transformational one-on-one coaching, she helps moms stay true to their own family visions and values, eliminate motherhood martyrdom, and build strong foundations for their children that will help them throughout their lives. I'm excited to introduce you to Mary Peterson Cook of Parenting with Joy and Confidence. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. I love connecting with other RVers who are traveling. Um, You know, it's just a whole different lifestyle. And so I love bringing other RVers on and learning about how your defining balance and you've got a very unique skill set that I think is going to be beneficial to anybody listening with school-aged kids right now. So I'm looking forward to talk about talking about education with our kids in, in the year 2020 and 2021. It's so different now. It, it's so different, but the irony is a lot of the techniques that um, I talk about now can honestly be used in any part of your life and even pre-COVID. Like, <laughs> it's useful at any time. Um but I feel like everyone feels the need now because it is even three-year-olds are, are in school in some places Yeah, and getting three-year-olds wrangled up to do virtual learning is like herding cats. Uh, and I don't have a three-year-old anymore, but I can only imagine. So before we dive too deep into the, the educational stuff, because I definitely want to spend a lot of time there. I'd love for you to kind of introduce us to you and your family, maybe what brought you onto the road and how your career path has changed. Oh, goodness. Um, So I have a three-year-old little boy. He's three and a half now. And he's my miracle rainbow baby. And then we have two fur dogs (laughs) for babies. Um, They're old men. They're grumpy old men. (laughs) One is like completely blind. We had to like build a ramp for him to get into the RV because he just, he like paused, like he's trying to find where he's going. Um, and then my husband, who is actually an RV tech and inspector. So we, we run the gamut for sure. Um, and then our journey, I've always been a traveler. I blame the fact that my parents were in the Navy for my foundational years, 
I love books, so I blame books. <laughs> and then I blame Epcot because I grew up in Florida and went to Epcot a lot. So I am a nomad. I've been traveling without my parents since I was like 14. Um, we, we went to, I did a mission trip way back when, and then I went to like France and England with my French teacher. And then I traveled abroad when I was in college and things like that. And then I got married and I was like, I'm a merry old woman now. <laughs> like I can't, I can't fulfill these dreams of working abroad. Um, and then one day I found, I don't even know how, I have no idea how, but I read this ebook about being able to teach abroad and you could still do it even if you were, you know, 30 years old with a husband. <clears throat> and so that I looked at my husband one day and I was like, my soul is dying inside. And I was completely serious. I wasn't being dramatic. Like I, that's how I felt living in this tiny town where nothing's happening and growing businesses is hard and things like that. And so I asked him, would you be, you know, open to maybe moving abroad? And literally within a couple months, we were living in Hong Kong, um, which is where we had my son. And we lived there for four and a half years. We brought our dogs over. We brought them back. (laughs) Um, It's one of the reasons we chose Hong Kong. But then... After I had my son, my priorities changed as for most people, right? Most moms, I just, I still, I still really loved working with kids. Um, I was an art teacher in Hong Kong and I've also taught homeroom and I had been learning so much more about child development. I was like, because I had had a gap in my teaching career. So I wanted to refresh myself. And then when my my son was born, I didn't have people like constantly in my ear telling me how things should be done. And in fact, the people that like, I had midwives um, <clears throat> that like would come and check in us for the first couple of weeks. And even they were just like, why aren't like even but like bed sharing, right? Like that's so faux pas in America. But my Icelandic midwife looked at me like I had five heads when I told her it was dangerous. She's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> You know, like, and so all of these things kept happening where I was questioning all of the um, stuff I had grew up with, mm-hmm. all of that kind of um, ideas and knowledge and whatnot, things that should be done. And so when my son was 10 months old, he kept going after this fan because he was already running. My kid was running at 10 months. And he was running around and wanting to go after the fan because what toddler does not love fans? And (laughs) we kept saying, no, John, no, no, John, no. And my husband, as we had discussed for years before he was born, told me to smack his hand so he would stop. And something inside of me was just like, oh, no. (laughs) Like, what? No. (laughs) I mean, we had just told him not to hit the dog. He's 10 months old. It's not really his fault that this thing is like in his world, you know, and I know that kids explore with their hands and if you hit their hands, then they, you know, are less likely to explore and it affects the development and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, this isn't right. And so we just didn't. But then that kind of started me on that journey of what else is there? (laughs) You know, I grew up very much. You are either a permissive parent 
and your child is reckless and running around and good on drugs and go to jail and my friends totally fit that description in my neighborhood <laughs> um so my mother had plenty of ammunition to show me this and otherwise you were spanked you know you got yelled at you had lots of punishments and this was for your best interest it hurt mom more than it hurt you um you know all these kinds of things and i grew up very much in that and i was like i don't know what else there is even though I was a teacher and taught kids for like literally 20 years. I mean, I was 32 and I had been working with kids since I was like 12. So literally had decades of experience of working with kids without corporal punishment. And yet I couldn't for the life of me figure out how that would work in parenting. So I was like Googling like parenting style where you trust your instincts. Uh, how, alternatives to spanking. <laughs> like I had no clue, but luckily through Facebook groups and the power of the internet, um, and then later courses and things like that, I developed more tools and more strategies. And I learned to really hone in on listening to my intuition, which I think is women's superpower, but especially mom's superpower. And now I help other moms do the same. It is, it always amazes me how different it is to parent a child than it is to like do a job, even if that job includes parenting a child, like, like the, a the same responsibilities, <clears throat> right. right? But I don't want to say like a teacher is the same thing as a, but, but being a teacher or I, you know, I worked in a school in a residential school, even with young kids or in a group home. And, and like, you're in this position where you're trained on how to be a caregiver, but like, it doesn't apply, like it doesn't translate over into motherhood in the same way. So I, that's a part that resonated with me. And I also love how you mentioned how much like impact living abroad had on you and getting that feedback from different cultures. Cause I think that's something that's really easy for us to overlook, you know, yeah. is, is we draw from our experiences. And for many of us, I mean, for me until two years ago, my experience was my Yep. little neighborhood because I didn't travel and I mean we're traveling now but it's not out of the U.S. so even that is its own sort of restriction um so I love that I love that you've sourced bits and pieces from different cultures as well as books and internet and education yeah. and stuff like that and as far as how I ended up in an RV now we just realized we wanted to travel more that that is our family values um I'm very big on realizing what your family values are and how that impacts your life. And I'm a traveler and I believe in the power of travel. And so that's, we decided to come back and live in an RV. So family could at least be on the same continent for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that's how we're here. Awesome. Well, thank you for that, that background information. Now, what is like, what is the schooling situation that you're currently um, approaching with, with John, are you homeschooling or is he in a program yeah. or? So, um, currently, and honestly, this is something we had planned on way before we ever had children. We have mm -hmm. always planned to homeschool. Um, me having been a teacher, I know the system and I know that oftentimes teachers are not allowed 
to teach the way that they were taught to teach. Mm -hmm. Um, Some schools are different. I mean, don't get me wrong. You have some specialty schools, but as a whole, teachers are required to teach in a way that is not conducive to how a young child learns. And my husband has ADHD, OCD, and I recently realized that I most likely have ADHD and I'm just like, that is just not a good combination for a little boy to go into school with. Plus we want to travel. So we're going to, uh, we're going to be more like eclectic unschoolers, but at the same time, like I know what happens in school. Right. And well, you've got that background as a teacher, which is part of the reason why I asked, um, Because right now, and I've always been a public, we've always been public school family until we took, hit the road. And now we are doing a more unschooled curriculum. So, I mean, I I understand that. Um, But for the majority of people, I would say, who are not living in an RV, um, they're facing very unique things right now where their kids, I don't know anybody that their child is in school five days a week, 100% back to normal. So I feel like and most parents have some sort of virtual school happening and they're trying to figure all of that out. So that's what I'm really hoping we can shed some light on, you know, yeah. and I think um, as a, a, a homeschooler, an unschooler, whatever, however, a road schooler, um, <laughs> you have a unique perspective on how to balance work with school um, even though virtual school, in my opinion, is, is different than home. So different. So, so different. different. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let's start kind of that conversation um, with some of the, the tips or strategies for helping support our kids through their new u- unique virtual schooling. And then maybe we can go into um, once our kids are supported, how do we yeah. you know, give ourselves time back? No problem. And sorry for the coughing, guys. <laughs> I like to start with the before. Like, all of this, um, all the stress and stuff can mostly, not always, but a lot of times can be mitigated with preparation. And a lot of people are already in school. They've already started. And so I realized that some of the beginning stuff Um, maybe a little harder to institute, but it's never too late. So let's just start there. It is never too late to change things. Like it is perfectly fine to try something for a week and be like, yeah, that's not working for me (laughs) and adjust, right? That's all any of this is. That's what life is, right? Right. We see how things work. We reflect on it and then we adjust as needed. And so I want you to give yourself grace. Um, when I saw moms and their kids going back to school a few weeks ago, that is a one thing that I really wanted moms to understand is just give yourself grace, give your child grace, give your teacher grace, because no one is used to this. No one is used to, you know, even the people that were in virtual school before, like things are a little different now. You don't have the co-ops necessarily and you don't have all these little meetups and things are just new and for better, for worse, it doesn't really matter. Everyone is getting used to it and 
not to take it out on yourself. Cause that's what I see moms doing is you're taking it out on yourself that like, how can I do this? I can't even access X, Y, Z. How am I going to have my five year old do this? Or my, you know, even my 10 year old. And I just want everyone to like, just take a deep breath and realize we'll get through this, right? Like it may not be today, but you will figure it out. <laughs> so I want everyone going into that, into this with that mentality is that we can figure this out and it doesn't have to be today. And if it doesn't work for us this month, that's fine. We'll fix it. You know, like we will figure it out. <laughs> so when you start with the preparation, um, develop routines. And again, these are things that you figure out over time. But if you can start instituting some routines into your day, it makes things smoother because no one has to think about it, especially when you have younger kids or kids with, um, who are neuro neurodiverse routines really help because it takes away some of that anxiety of what is to come. Um, and it could be, I mean, depending on your needs and your child's needs, remember everybody is different. Um, it could be pretty structured or it could just be generally like after math, we go outside and hit a ball, you know, after reading, we do this, you know, those kinds of things, or it can be very much like we're spending 20 minutes on this and then we're having a five minute break and then we're spending 20 minutes on this and then we're having a five minute break depending on your needs. So again, adjust as, as you go through a visual reminder and a schedule is super helpful, especially again for young learners and learners with executive function disorders like ASD and ADHD, it could be little pictures of like a math book and like, you know, the time and a little clock on it so they can even start associating time with that picture. And, and it's just saying like, okay, after math, I know we're doing this. And it releases some of that anxiety um, of what is my day looking like? And it gives you some some help to be like when your kids are like okay what's next what are we doing what's what's after this like what's on your schedule <laughs> right because right. let me tell you even when kids have done something for 102 days they're still going to be asking what comes next <laughs> or when are we doing this it happens trust me <clears throat> um and then do as much as you can to prepare before the week or before, you know, the next morning, set aside clothing or, you know, stack the books up and have everything prepared. So you're not feeling so rushed in the morning that whether you are going to school five days a week or you're going to school no days a week and you're all virtual, um, preparation really can help mitigate so many stresses in the morning. Cause if you think about it, the getting ready for school and starting is usually the hardest part of all because everyone's feeling so <laughs> like frustrated and stressed and like, where's this and what's that and what's going on. And so if you can prepare all that, have discussions with your kids, involve them, like, what are the expectations for tomorrow? What's happening? Involve them in that discussion about what they need. You know, reflect at the end of the day what went well. Again, what do they need? Talking with our kids and getting their input gets you buy-in. And right now, we all need lots of buy-in. 
<clears throat> so then as you're going throughout your day, obviously things aren't going to go right all the time. I wish I could say that this would happen, but it doesn't. So the first thing I want you to do is learn to periodically assess yourself. Like quick run through of your body is, you know, how is my face feeling? Are my shoulders clenched? Are my teeth clenched? Am I getting flushed? Do I feel a heaviness in my chest or is my stomach, you know, feeling in knots? Am I like fidgeting more is, you know, assess yourself. And if you start noticing these signs of tension and stress, it may be time for you to take a break, you know, and the same with your child, do a quick assessment. Literally this can take like three seconds, right? Like, are they fidgeting more? Are they starting to fall out of their chair? Are they like looking into outer space more than normal? Are they whining? Like look for these signs of stress because it is completely okay to be like, you know what? Our bodies are telling us we need a break and it doesn't have to be a long break. It could be a three minute dance party or it could be, you know, some deep breathing exercises. <coughs> um, just having a hug y'all like a hug is this miracle like tool to like reset your nervous system and just oh makes you feel really good inside right warms and snugglies the sometimes our kids and you just need a hug or snuggling or maybe you read them a book to settle them back down or maybe you have a laughter like you go into a full-on tickle party <laughs> or you step outside and go for a short walk all of these different things can help you reset in a very short amount of time <clears throat> so that you can get back on track because I can tell you, especially if you have a child who is ADHD or ASD, trying to get force them to focus when their body is already at this point is not going to work. And both of you are just going to get more upset and more frustrated and it's going to escalate. And then you spent way more time in, you know, trying to force them into something than if you had just said, you know what, our bodies are showing us we need a break. Let's take a two minute break or a five minute break and getting the wiggles out in some way. Young, um, like first grade teachers, especially in kindergarten teachers, they have these amazing songs. I forget who they're by, but you could probably ask your teacher. And they are literally songs that they put on to get wiggles out and they're funny and they have movements involved. So don't be afraid of doing it because teachers already do. They just aren't doing it in the virtual world because nobody knows how this works. <laughs> like it's, they're trying their best already. And then nature is one of those things that I think, I know, I, I don't think, even doctors will tell you. You need at least 20 minutes and some doctors will say two hours of outside time just for your eyes to develop properly. And so being outside is so vital. Um, playing outside, I can tell you from experience, our school went from having um, outdoor recesses where kids were just running around in a big courtyard at willy nilly to having no outdoor space and they had to do it inside all the time. And then they had to like separate behavior problems escalated dramatically. So being outside, playing outside is vital. Um, 
as much as you possibly can. Get them outside. I often say humans are just like plants. You know, they need sun, water, air, fresh air, <laughs> and soil to make them thrive. So don't be afraid to get outside. Even take the books and computer outside if you need to. <clears throat> and then, you know, when it comes time to giving instructions, if you are feeling like you're, you're giving all the instructions and your kids still aren't getting it or they're like skipping a whole bunch of things or, you know, just not doing it at all, backtrack. Review expectations you know, and then give them bite-sized chunks, like one step at a time, just like you did with your toddlers, right? Like put on your underwear first. Okay. Now put, you know, like just simple steps because they're still learning all these things too. Um, as far as a mantra for this time of this period, I like to say, don't fight, empathize and problem solve. Do not fight them. You will escalate the situation. And we know that when we are feeling, I mean, teachers are taught this. If the child is upset, if the child is too cold, if the child is too hot, if they have an itch, like if they are uncomfortable in any sort of way, it is really hard for a child to learn. So if they are hungry, give them a snack. <laughs> like Your child will not be able to learn if they are feeling discomfort like that and it is just even worse if they're upset like if they are angry if they are you know basically if they're in their fight or flight if they're in their reptilian brain there is no reasoning with them you have to get them calmed first before you could ever go back to teaching a lesson and this is true with any kind of behavioral issues you may be having as well as school <clears throat> but the truth is we need to get calm first and take care of their um, biological needs, like their mental and emotional needs before you can do learning. So don't even get to that point. If you see that they're struggling, if they're whining, like I can't do this or like, I hate math and all these things. Don't be like, oh, you know, you're so good at math. That is patronizing. Like, just don't do that. <laughs> like, you think you're building them up, but in their heads, all they're thinking is, I just said I'm not good at it. I'm obviously not good at it. I'm having a hard time with it. Like, why can't you see that I'm not? Like, that's what's going in their heads. And we need to, instead of being like, oh, no, you can, and you do great is just empathize with them that this is a really challenging moment and maybe they're not having um, the best day, right? Maybe they've had a really hard day or they're tired or whatever is going on for them. Maybe the problem is new and challenging and they're used to it being easy. Just empathize and then problem solve because you cannot be in conflict with somebody and solving a problem with somebody at the same time. So when you are in problem solving mode, then there's no conflict. And then you guys are just figuring it out together. And he feels like you're more on his side or her side versus the teacher's side, right? And that's what you don't want. You want them to see you as their rock, as somebody who's going to help them through this, not somebody who's just forcing education down their throat. I feel like there's a hundred things I want to go back and touch on, but I can't. Um, 
a couple, like, I think a big thing to me was so much of what you said right there applies to me as a business owner, just as much as it applies to my child as a learner, which is incredible. And as somebody who's living the RV life and therefore in nature much more now than we ever have been, it's been a huge difference. And my kids love when we're able to take school outside. And yes, there is more to distract them because you are outside. But I still think at the end of the day, they do better with outdoor learning than they do with indoor learning, even if it's bringing, um, they use tablets. So bringing their tablets outside to do learning or, or books or whatever we bring outside. Um, They love that. And I, I can remember back in school, even, you know, when we had some days it would just rain or snow and you'd have indoor gym or indoor recess. And you're right that it wasn't just like our preference for being outside, but there's a different level of like energy you can get out and a different level of, I'm sure, energy that you're taking in, you know, and that all makes a ton of sense to me. And I don't think I ever would have really, even though we do it, I don't think I've ever thought about it in that way. So I can imagine a lot of parents wouldn't even think about taking the kids outside to do schoolwork. I don't think I even made the connection until that happened to me as a teacher. Like we could literally see the number of um, referrals and everything going up and up and up. And we could just see the kids coming back and not able to focus the same. Like they used to come to me after recess and in Hong Kong, they have three recesses a day, by the way. Wow. So automatic, like it, that's amazing. And we should do more of that. But <clears throat> I used to see them come back. They're like, all right, let's go. <laughs> right. Like they were like, <laughs> versus you know, when we moved to the new campus, they're just like, huh, uh, like, I'm so sleepy. <laughs> oh, no. It was just like a completely different energy. The focus level went de- way down and the, the fidgeting and the behavioral issues went way up. So now that once we can get our kids on a, a <clears throat> more stable level with their learning how are parents supposed to because I, I know a lot of my friends who aren't entrepreneurs they're traditionally employed um, and many are very lucky that they're now being allowed to work remotely but they still have to work like they have to put in you know 20 to 40 hours a week so how do they manage to get in those hours while still supporting the kids Yeah. And honestly, every situation is going to be different. I can't give like a generic across the board um, answer. Part of it is learning to fit in small chunks at a time. And so, and realizing that you're probably going to be doing your work mostly after your kids are done with theirs, unless you and your partner can switch on and off. Um, I know some families are actually developing pods where like each mom or husband or, you know, dad, whatever are taking a small group of kids, um, each day. And so that the other parents can get their work done on the other days. And so there, you know, there are different ways of going about and doing it. Sometimes maybe you're at your computer next to your child when they are at their computer and they're learning, right? 
I think some of the biggest issues are parents needing to help their child and they don't even remember like what that math was like, right? Like they don't remember how to do it, which is completely normal, by the way. Like you are not dumb. You are, you know, you're not a failure of school or anything like that. Like, please know that teachers, A, most of them have been teaching the same stuff for years at this grade level. And so they are used to it, right? But when they go to a new grade level, they have to reteach themselves often. So please don't feel like you're dumb if you don't remember how to do long division or something. <laughs> um, and so they feel like they have to listen in. But you know what? You might get it a lot faster if you like go and YouTube a video or something. Um, don't be afraid to ask the teachers for help, right? Like, how do I quickly explain this to my child kind of thing? Or can you quickly explain it to me? And then if you can... You do your work while they are on the computer. Otherwise, maybe you fit it into their breaks. Maybe they have a 15, 20 minute break at a time and you can get your work done while they go play. Or maybe they have to go until two o'clock and you get your work done after two o'clock and you make a really concerted effort like, okay, this is my work time. Um, the younger your children, the more difficult this gets. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. There are times where I'm just like, I, I'm not getting anything done. Um, and I think in those cases, like if you are with a job where you have to like insert this amount of hours, it's going to be really important for you to seek some outside help. Um, and I know that's really hard to hear. And I know that that's not what everybody wants to hear. But if you cannot rearrange your hours or your day, we are human and there's only so much that we can do. And I think a, your partner should also be sacrificing as much as you, especially if you guys are equal earners or working the same number of hours, it should not fall on one person. Um, you need to have that discussion with your partner. A lot of times, let's be honest, this all falls on mom, probably 95 plus percent of times these situations are falling on mom. And she's already got so much on her plate and she's probably not taking care of herself anymore, which is going to make you angrier and more frustrated when it comes to the schooling. <clears throat> so it's really, really important to have these discussions if you have a partner and making it something work for both of you and, and your child, right? Like it's okay to ask for help. There are, dance schools and karate schools that are offering pods. You could do that mom exchange thing. You could, you know, say, hubby, I, I need to work these hours and take care of our child's schooling these hours, which means you need to pick up the slack and you're doing grocery shopping and dinner and cleaning at the end of the day. Like you have to stand up for yourself. And you may be able to find like a, a mother's helper too, like a teen, yes. especially yeah. if the teens aren't in school full time, you know, a teen that might be willing to come for a reasonable, yes. more reasonable than a full out babysitter and yeah. give you a couple hours back. I totally, I've, I've seen a little, like not little, she was, she was like 18, <clears throat> but I've seen a, a couple girls, you know, that were just hanging out with each other, like friends at a park when my son was playing and they just like took 
my son and started playing because he asked them to because my child is only child and sees adults as playthings. <laughs> and I was like, are you available for babysitting? <laughs> the other thing I do, and this isn't um, going to be applicable to all states. I live in the South, which technically I'm going to tell you is like one state. We all do the same thing. And we're pretty much open. Um, mass and things like that but we have a play cafe i take my computer um other moms will take their computers or if they have older kids they'll take their older child and their computer and their younger children will go and play while they get their work done like it's an amazing thing and i know it's not something everybody has available but maybe look and see if you do have something i drive half an hour so i can have this right <laughs> It's just about thinking outside the box and realizing that there are opportunities, oftentimes free opportunities, especially if you, you know, like I said, that mom pod, they share that. Um, people do this with uh, date nights even, right? Like they'll have this pod, this group of parents, and they take turns babysitting everyone's kids so they can go on date nights. It can be the same thing with school. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I want to thank you because there's been so many tips and tricks. And like if, if somebody's listening and they haven't picked out one thing, like there's going to be one thing for everybody. You know, it's just finding that one thing that's going to work. And I love, I want to bring it to full circle to what you kind of said at the beginning um, about pivoting, right? Trying something, changing direction. It is totally okay to just keep trying something new until you find what works. And it's okay for what, that what works for you doesn't work for me and won't work oh, yeah. for the next person. Um, but I also do just love hearing what other people are doing because you may pick up a new idea or a new thought. So, uh, before we totally wrap up, where can our listeners <clears throat> learn more about you and your parenting coaching and everything else that you have to offer? Sure. So, um, my website is just joyandconfidence.com. And then I have a free Facebook group that I mostly you know, put, I have lives and interviews and all these sorts of things in there, <clears throat> um, including like how to be a calmer, more joyful mom and, you know, five frustrating behaviors and what to do about them. And that can all be found at facebook.com slash groups slash joy and confidence. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule um, I'm surprised we haven't had any little kids popping in. So he's obviously <laughs> husband missed his appointment. And so I was like, you're taking him <laughs> <laughs> because, but that's how it is. You know, yep. sometimes that's how it is, especially right now. So thank you so much for squeezing us in and, and making it work. And this has been a great interview. I appreciate you very much. Thank you so much for having me. Bye guys. Bye. That's it for today's episode of the familypreneur podcast. You'll find all the links mentioned in this week's episode and the show notes at megbrunson.com slash podcast. Until next week, I'll see you over in the Familypreneur community. Bye for now. Did you know that my mom has a Facebook page, Instagram account, YouTube channel, and more? Her username is The Meg Brunson. Just about everywhere. You should go follow her.